ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 1033, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio station hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion! With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Wednesday. Happy to be here with you this morning. Missed you guys yesterday. I enjoyed uh, my day being a judge in the Paint the Town Red Contest. A lot of great local businesses out there, a lot of great individuals, and met a lot of wonderful people. Happy to be back here in the seat. Got Gerald Broussard on in a little bit. G joins me every Wednesday. We'll talk football. That's what we talk about. Talk Saints, talk pro, talk college, talk Cajuns. Jay Walker typically joins me on Tuesdays. He'll be on with me this morning around 8.15 in studio. We'll talk college football. And not terrible tune Tuesday since it's Wednesday. We'll do a Wonderland Wednesday. We'll play a one-hit wonder that we love. So, good music for you today, and plenty of good sports talk. You know, we're three weeks into the NFL season, and I think in week six is when things really start to take shape as far as who's who. But let me make a prediction here of a team that might fall on their face this Sunday, but is going to be talked about as a surprise and in a positive light when you get to the end of October. Now, if they happen to win this Sunday, it'll, it'll already start. It'll start big. I'm talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jacksonville Jaguars, who on this show are best known for, you know, Roberta on the news years ago. They say they have the best draft in the entire NFL. Are you surprised to hear that? <laughs> Certainly not. The first year we... Took it to the limit. And I was in Miami with my new beach house. Well, it was a couple minutes from the beach. It's been 20 years since then. We haven't been too strong in the last few years. Oh, we've been strong. We're just playing by the rules. You can't have a newcomer come in and steal the show. Steal the show. So Jacksonville puts it on L.A. Jacksonville puts it on Indy. Jacksonville, you know, in week one lost to the commanders, which everyone said, oh, here we go, it's Jacksonville again. Bad loss. But then they shut out the Colts. They beat the Chargers by four touchdowns. And everyone's going to be talking about Trevor Lawrence. Right? See, the national attention isn't there yet. They beat the Eagles Sunday, it's going to be everywhere. Everywhere. That's who they're playing. One of the two teams left in the league that's undefeated. The other's Miami, who plays tomorrow night against Cincinnati. It's a fun game to have on Prime. I'm excited about it. But this this matchup, if Jacksonville somehow pulls it off, oh, all the rage. If they lose, well, they're two and two. 
Eagles are a six and a half point favorite, by the way, and it's in in Philly. But that it, it's only week four. You get to week six, seven, eight. Because Jacksonville's got the Eagles, but then they have the Texans. And then they have the Colts again, who they have success against. And then they have the Giants, who, yeah, they might be they might have a winning record right now. Did you watch the game on Monday night? God help us. Then they have Denver in London. Then they have the Raiders. Then they have the Chiefs. And they they got they got the the Jets on the schedule later in the year. They have the Texans. I mean, this team is going to win a bunch of games because of the division they play in. And the NFC division that they play, which is the NFC East, which has one good team in it. Now, they happen to be playing that team this Sunday, and they happen to lose at, you know, the Commanders to open up the season. If they hadn't dropped that one, more people would actually be talking about them right now. But if you want to project the teams that are going to be talked about more come the end of October that are not being talked about now, Jacksonville is the number one team on the list. And Trevor Lawrence and all this, all this they're going to be talking about them. I mean, he's thrown for six touchdowns and has a QB rating over 100 in the first three weeks of the season. All this talk because, you know, last year was Urban Meyer. And you got Travis Etienne healthy again. The, the Josh Allen, not the Josh Allen of Buffalo. He's great. But the defensive one that's on Jacksonville, I mean, he's a great player. Doug Peterson, it, it feels different. Now, they lose Sunday. They're 2-2 two and two and, okay. So the Eagles are now undefeated. If they happen to beat Philly, that whole thing gets accelerated. I'm not predicting them to beat Philly. I'm not predicting them to go to the Super Bowl. I am predicting them to win a lot of games this year against teams that aren't that good because their schedule sets up really nicely. And as a result, being a good but not great team with a really good record come November, the Jags are going to be, oh, I'm surprised at the Jags. I'm surprised at the Jags. And if you were putting together a, 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 you know, one of these these power rankings that all these sites put together now, I don't I don't know where they have Jacksonville, but they should be in the upper. Certainly should be in the upper half. A lot of people probably wouldn't put them ahead of Denver right now or or Cincinnati. I think I would. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. We got Gerald Broussard. The G-Man, he's going to be joining me in just a little bit. We're going to chat with him about the Saints, the offensive issues. We'll talk with him about the Cajuns, their offensive issues. We'll talk about the difference when it comes to football between having a sense of urgency as a team and panic, right? When do you hit the panic button, and when do you just say, look, no no need to panic. We need to have a little more urgency here. There's some things we need to clean up and in a hurry, but that's different than panic. We'll do kind of as a former coach and player like Gerald. He's always got great insight into this kind of stuff. We'll get his thoughts. Before we do that, I want to remind you, you can enter to win the ultimate Who Dad Experience contest every week, home or road. Right? Technically, it's a home game, but it ain't a home game. They're 4,700 miles away this week. They're in London. But for home games that are at the Superdome, the ultimate Houdat experience gives you a chance to see New Orleans play up and close and personal live from the plaza level at the Caesars Superdome. You get a pair of tickets to the, to the Dome home games, a pair of passes to hang out with DJ Digital, the official VIP tailgate, fully catered pregame party put on by Bullseye Event Group, free food, open bar, 
on the rooftop patio at Benson Tower overlooking Champion Square. <coughs> and then for the games away from the Dome, Legends Bar and Grill. Hooking us up. When the black and gold are on the road, you get to celebrate black and gold style at home with a Legends tailgate prize pack. Right? We're talking 10 burgers, 10 wraps, 20 bags of chips. You want to watch the game at a Legends location? They'll set you and your crew up. (coughs) Excuse me. No, I just have a cough. I'm not getting emotional talking about the ultimate Houdat experience. Though you may get emotional if you win it. But that's for the road games. We told you about the home games. Every week, we'll have a winner. The deadline to uh, enter each week is Thursday at midnight. You can enter once per game. Every week, a new opportunity to win. You just got to play. Make sure you have the ESPN Lafayette app. Click on the uh, Saints on the What's Hot bar or on the, the little tab right in the middle of the app when you go to the homepage and sign up there. It's easy. It's easy. The contest is sponsored by Restoration One, your local business to help with any water, fire, and mold damage. Call 337-RESTORE. That's 337-RESTORE to get your property back to its full glory. We'll take a time out. I'll drink some water, hopefully get my voice back. And Gerald Broussard is going to join me next. Jay Walker in studio in the 8 o'clock hour. He and I will have open phone lines if you want to hit in, get in on the show as well. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show coming at you. On a Wednesday morning, this is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. This is the one place where you can really let the referees know exactly how you feel. This is NFL, which stands for not for long when you make them calls. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. All right. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. On a Wednesday, he joins me every Wednesday during football season, Gerald Broussard, the G-Man, UL alum, former lineman, former coach, color analyst on the radio, and uh, joins me this morning on a uh, on, on a Wednesday, G. We're starting to get that fall weather finally, man. Things are cooling off. Um I don't know what that'll mean to, to what happens on the football field. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, fall weather something I'll sign up for every year, man. I, I, it, it can't come soon enough. It'll probably be gone too soon, but I'm going to take it when we get it. Yeah, no doubt, Scott. And I tell you, you know, we're so lucky here. I was watching uh, the Weather Channel last night and just watching that storm coming into Florida and all that stuff and, and knowing that we – we we dodged one there. Now look, we took it for a few years, so so you know I'm okay with dodging it. But uh, thoughts and prayers to those folks. But, Absolutely. And and just going outside this morning and yesterday morning and yeah, just <laughs> Jay and I were talking about it on the broadcast. Just things start poking out a little bit, and that's not a bad thing. ESPN Lafayette, uh, Joe Broussard, I guess. Gee, we always talk football. Obviously, we get to talk about the Cajuns, but um. You know, I, I don't know how much of the Saints game you saw, but they lost to a bad football team. And you, right now, uh, they're a bad football team. Um, man, I they, they kind of ruined my week. It's funny, I was talking to um, our friend Chris Alano. We were uh, not on the air. We were talking about UL and the Saints. And 
you know, he had some takes on UL, and I didn't necessarily agree with him. And I, had, you know, he had as takes on the Saints, he didn't agree with them. I'm like, you know what it is though, like the things we're we're struggling to, you know, or or maybe like you're you're a super fan of one, and then I'm a super fan of the other, and those are perhaps the ones we're not being as objective about. And he's like, yeah, you know what, you might be right there. Uh, so. You know, uh, just bad offensive football. But uh, objectively, when you look at the Saints from afar, and I know you're not tuned in like you are with UL, I get that. But well, what's your take on the state of the Saints right now? And can they turn this thing around in London this week? Because, man, that offense has looked bad. Yeah, it really has. And, and that's, the, that's a tough chore to ask to turn it around uh, in London. You know that I, I know that you you've got a long trip over there and stuff. Your your quarterback is is fighting through a lot of things physically. Um, you know I think you're you're reaching similar to some of the, the things the Cajuns are, are fighting to try and get done. Uh, you know just trying to figure out what you can do. I think that um, I think they have talent there, though, Scott. And 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 so yeah, I. I I don't know if it's going to come this week. I, I I like what I'm seeing out of some of it early, but golly, it's 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 been a chore, and and I, it just it's kind of puzzling at times, and and because I know that there's talent there, and and that's the thing that uh, yeah, I don't want to say it's concerning, but but it gives you it gives you pause, and it also gives you hope. Yeah, look, you're one and two. There are only two undefeated teams in the league, and you're only three weeks into the season. It's the Eagles and Dolphins. Miami's got uh, Cincinnati tonight, but uh, excuse me, tomorrow night. But it's um, it's early, and I think in the pros, you've got you've got professionals, you've got a longer schedule. It just, I mean, I, I, not rocket science here, G, but it feels like you just you got more. You literally have more time, but it seems like as far as trying to figure things out. I, do do you have a better chance to figure it out in the pros just by nature of having more time to do it? But that would tend to say yes uh, because there is time. But but the the, the thing about the pros that's, that's so um, what makes it fun is is that you just can't predict. Oh, sorry, okay, I say this about the pros, but this year in college football, it's been similar to that also. Uh, but but you know there's there is. I mean, there are good teams, but there's no way that I would have thought that that um, you know Buffalo would go down to my and look. I know what humidity is. We've talked about that on broadcast too. And uh, you know, I, I, I but you get, if you're Buffalo, you go to Miami, you run 90 snaps, you have the ball for 40 minutes, 40 minutes of the game. Yeah, yeah, and you don't win. It's crazy. And the other team kicked their their up their their personal protector in the butt with the ball. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah Thomas Morris, no, Thomas Morris, my friend you know. Thomas, literally kicked the ball up the butt of a teammate, like punted it yeah. in his butt. I mean, I mean we're not, I'm not even being gross. It happened. I saw it. That was crazy. No, it, it, yeah, like he was aiming at him. That was. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think I got. I, I look. I'll I'll probably talk to Thomas at some point. At, like not anytime after the season. I, I talked to him once or twice a year. I'm going to be like, did you just forget you were in the back of the end zone because? Dude, it wasn't like the guy was being thrown back to him. It looked like just normal protection, but you can't take the steps when you're in the end zone. You just got to punt it. I guess he just forgot. Well, and and the guy did hop back. I mean, now he didn't. It wasn't like he didn't jump back, but he did have a couple. He was kind of stepping back for blocking. Yeah. yeah, it was that was and so that was it, it was it was a calamity. You know, it was both of them. And look, 
Morstead knows he's got to shorten it up. The other guy knows you can't go back at all, or you're going to have a football yeah, animal. When Jimmy G runs out the back of the end zone for a safety, and it's not the, the, the most memorable safety of the weekend, you know it was a pretty crazy weekend. <laughs> yeah, and that's, you know, they, and I say that about, about the NFL and, and every week, but, but you know, then, then, you know, in that same town, Middle Tennessee goes and beats the brakes off of Miami with long plays against Miami. I'm, we're talking about the University of Miami. Cristobal. And, like, it's not like Middle Tennessee's been this, like, dominant G5 program no. as of late. It's like, <laughs> wait, what? What? That, the it, it, it was how they were beating them that was just such a shock. Yeah, it really was. I mean, just kind of there, you know, they're... Miami's daring them to throw it. They're throwing it and catching it, and then they're, they're just running away from folks. And, and 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 this is not even a good middle tennis. Well, it's a, obviously it's not terrible, but I mean they've they've lost games this year, you know. And uh, it's it's crazy, bro. But uh, going back to your question, by by nature of the season and having some length, yeah, that I think the Saints can, and I do think they will get it turned around. And I say all that depending on the health of, of, of the quarterback there. But, but look, I think you got a capable backup that can make plays for you. You know, you, you would like somebody a little younger and somebody a little more explosive and stuff. But, um, you know, what I saw of him in the preseason, I mean, he could still play now. And then he's a good guy to get you out of tough situations. And if he's got to finish a year, then you know, they're a lot worse. I mean, there, there are a lot of others that would be a lot worse than him. Yeah, Dalton's seeing his whole career, I mean, when he's had good offensive lines, he's been a pro bowler. And when he's had, you know, average to below average offensive lines, he's been a bad starting quarterback. I mean, he's he's the kind of guy that play breaks down, got to make something happen. That's not his strength. Within the offense, he's very good. Um, you know, and the Saints have had protection issues in week two. You know, Dennis Allen seemed to put a lot of that on Jameis this past week. Not as much. Put some of it on the old line, but... Uh, they they got they got a lot of work to do, and I think the counter argument, Gerald, about you know by nature of just having more time, you know, are, are you going to be able to figure it out? Is that maybe there's not as much urgency in the NFL, or the sense of urgency doesn't hit you, right? I think it hits you in college. It can hit you after week one. I'm sure, you know. Heck, I mean LSU that wild game against Florida State. I'm sure the urgency hit them. Right, uh, and, and they've won since then, and they'll play Auburn this week, and um, and you know they look good in the second half against Mississippi State and all that, and you know, it was New Mexico last week, but you know I, I think urgency is something that you know I feel like people hear the word urgency and maybe sometimes they confuse it with panic, and I think there's two very different things. Now you could speak more to this as a coach, as a former coach and a player, Gerald, but. When it comes to urgency in college football, where is that line between, oh, my God, we, we really got to clean this up and we're going to clean it up. Let's do it the right way. Let's not let's not overreach here. Does that question make sense? Because I I, can, I get why some people confuse the two sometimes when it comes to sports. But I think, you know, I think hit the panic button and have a sense of urgency are two very different things when it comes to trying to improve as a football team. But and and the thing that you always are aware of is what is perceived as panic because, you know, when you're involved in it from the inside, you don't want to panic. You never want to panic. There's never a time to panic in, in your eyes. 
you know, now now from outside looking in, you know, people say, okay, it's time to push the panic button. But but no matter what happens, uh, the the one of the beauties of of, of sports and dealing, especially a sport like football, is that you, you go to work early, you get you get home late. You, you insulate yourself from everything going on around you. The only time you see any people is is when you come out of the tunnel, let's say at UL, and and you run you run out there and and you see, you see some people in the stands, but you really don't see them, you know. And and I I talk with people a lot after you know after I got out of coaching and stuff, and and you know what we you know we followed you and we did this and we watched you coach and we watched y'all play and all this stuff, and I'm thinking. Yeah, but you know, you're always told don't look in the stands. You know, as a player, so you don't look in the stands. And as a coach, you, you got other things to look at that aren't in the stands. And by the time you get out of the stadium after a game, everybody's gone for the most part. And, and then by the, you know, heck, I I was some nights I just didn't go to sleep. You know, you go right back to the stadium, and and um, you know, it's just. Um, you insulate yourself in there and isolate yourself in, in the in the facility, and and it is a grind, but it's always um, you're always trying to push it without being perceived as panic. And look, it's different in college and pros. And look, pros are becoming more like college now, though, because in, in the pros, you don't get the preseason anymore. You do get some practice against others. You get a very shortened preseason. But you don't, you know, in, in high school, you, 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 get a, you used to get scrimmages and jamborees and stuff like that before they started to count. Uh, the pros, you know, we're seeing stuff right now where, you know, it's, it's kind of like the extension of preseason, Scott. And so now it's going to be. Uh, yeah, I do anticipate things starting to turn, and if, if sooner or later you're going to get to a point where okay, this is just what we are. Yeah, and, yeah. And then that's that's when you just you just try and accept or or not. You never accept, but you just try and deal with whatever you are. Gerald Broussard, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Two things I want to hit on that you just talked about. One. Your latter point, you know, Jake DeLome, our friend, he was on with me a few weeks ago, and, and he felt like because of the lack of reps and attention to the preseason by many, um, really week five or six is when you can start to truly identify the haves from the have-nots in the NFL. Um, and I, I think if the Saints turn things around, people will probably point back to it and say, oh, well, you know, Jameis didn't really get to practice a lot and he was hurt in training camp because he got hurt after the, in that preseason game and he missed time and he did this and there was this and there was that and they sat these guys out and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, if they keep stinking and they look bad, you know, Sunday in London and they look bad against, you know, a Seattle team that I don't think is very good and I don't think Carolina's very good, but right now the Saints aren't very good. Then you get to week six, seven, and it's like, okay, guys, you know what? This, this is it, right? This is it. From a uh, another thing, I wanted to touch on. You said the good thing about coaching is you can insulate yourself, right? Um, as a player, as a player in college, it's difficult to do, and I think even if you were to try to do it with social media, you can't. Now, I, I was talking to <clears throat> Coach Desimo about this Monday, but, you know, a, a lot of coaches will say the same thing. You, you, you can't, social media is part of life. Guys are going to be on it. All you can do is give them the warnings of it, you know, how to 
properly use it, you know, not to overreact one way or the other. You know, I mean, Reese Burns is is great, great kid, great punter. Um, had some mistakes on on Saturday night that you know were big mistakes, and he after the game said, you know, it was on me. I was a line wrong. Everyone's blaming the holder or the snapper. I, I feel bad. People on social media are blaming him, but you know, it was on me. You know, one good for Reese for for putting it on him, but two, you know, the fact that he referenced social media right there, it was like these guys are on it. And when things are going war- great, I'm sure they enjoy it. But man, you got to take the go with the bad. And and I, you you see reactions that people have in the moment. You see it after the fact, but you see it in the moment. I mean, look, I, we we have friends, Gerald. You've you've seen them sometimes on a live stream watching the Saints game and how they act. And then you see them, you know, with their family. You're like, that's not the same person. I mean, how I I am not. The way I am Sundays when the Saints are on is different than I am the rest of the my life, essentially. Like, I'm just a different person. And I, especially when they're struggling. And I, you know, sometimes the next day or two days later, I'm like, man, I can't believe I, you know, I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I said that. You know, in, in the case of social media, if you're a player in college, you're seeing people on Twitter reacting in the moment to something you did. Now, you don't see it for a few hours. But the idea of, insulating yourself how difficult is that for a college football player today is it is it even possible there are some that aren't on social media um minimal but but there are some that just choose they don't need that they don't but but that's everybody has grown up with it now scott so it's 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 very very difficult uh but I mean, you know, the, the the thing that parents deal with now that we we've got a grandson and, and you know John and Ariel have to deal with Vance later. When do you give him a cell phone? When do you let him get it on on social media, whether it be whatever? You know, uh, but we we love it as far as following him. But if you walk by Vance right now with a phone and pick it up, he's gonna say cheese, right? You know, because he's he's taken his his whole life has has been. Uh, chronicled um, on Instagram, on Facebook, on 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 uh, you know Google Photos and all this stuff. And, and, and I, I, Julie and I talked about it. I said, man, and, and look, we caught him peeing in the yard this weekend, and I, I took a picture of him. You know, so I thought it was cool too. But but you know that's one thing stuff that that you know. I got away with for sure. You, you to a certain extent got away with it. Not near as much as I got away with, but, but no, I did. these guys I did. don't. I mean, I, you know, Facebook came out like the year after I was out of college and, and it was very different in the early stages. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I was uh, helping out with one of the football banquets several years back. Uh, I think I was actually at next coach Desimo, you know, assistant coach at the time, Rob sale and, you know, I was. It was cool. I'm chatting with him, and I think they were texting with Jake DeLome. He was flying back from some game the Panthers played in, and you know, um, and, and 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 you know, we're cutting up, right? Look down, entire row of all the seniors. It's a banquet. Good, good kids. I mean, you know, I remember Jacques Boudou. Good, good group of guys, right? Mm-hmm. Every one of them, heads down, every single one, looking at the phone. And, and it, it, you know, it kind of was like a downer on one hand. I'm like, man, like for some of these guys, this is the last time they'll even see each other. 
you know, and for others, they're good friends, but I can't imagine teams being like that back in the day. That's how it is now. And I'm not insinuating that that's how they are all the time in a locker room, but here they are sitting next to each other at, you know, the senior banquet at, at you know, at this hotel and uh, it hadn't started yet. And they're all in there and they're wearing suits. Every single one of them are looking down and I, maybe it was coach Dale. He's like, look at that. And I was like, man, and we're just like, it's, you know, and, and look, I'm, I'm older than, than coach Desermo, right? Rob's, you know, I'm, but maybe the same age as Rob, like I'm, I'm you know, but mm-hmm. point is we're all like, you know, we're, we're younger than you G is my point. It's not like we're, yeah. we came from this day and age where we don't, we're not around it or we don't get it, but all of them just, you know, those two guys are nodding their head and they, they were in locker rooms, you know, Rob at LSU and, and coach Des at, at UL. And then with the Jaguars and whatnot. And it's like, like never, they were like, never would have that happened at one of ours. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's how it is now. And, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying if you're a team that trying to have a sense of urgency, that's trying to block out all of the noise, maybe it's a little more difficult today than, you know, back in the day, a coach could say, look, just don't read the newspaper and what one or two people write. Like now it's, you can't really tell them to stay off of something because it's, if they look at it, it's, it's going to be there regardless. So you have to try to build up this thick skin to say, Look, don't don't get too high when it's all great and don't get too down when it's all bad, but you know, easier said than done, man. Well, it is and, and it's 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 human reaction to it and and you know, we deal with it. I I I know uh, you know, part of your job is is to post and to, to continually work social media. Uh, you know, I I don't have to do it. I I I think you know, I like the pride of Acadiana. So when they come out, I think most of the stuff, I'll take a picture of the band or something like that. I really don't, don't do a whole lot, but you know, some, some people like it and enjoy it. And look, they got uh, other ways of communicating and getting their, their thoughts across where everybody has a voice. I, I had a guy I was working with in the all field one time and he's talking about, and I don't remember what, what time it was where uh, the LSU was going through a coaching change. And he says, my source tells me this, and I said, "Your source? So, who are you to have a source?" You know, but but you know, he, he worked in Hallville, but but that's you know, everybody thinks that they're reporters now, and they can they can get their voice across at, 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 because they have the the platform to be able to do it, and and you know, the, those those players are going to see it if they choose to. Uh, you know, and co- that's just part of now the stuff you have to deal with as a coach. You know. Um, you know, we didn't have near the, the 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 distractions away from the facility that that these guys have to deal with. And the other thing that we had too, Scott, we had dorms, so we were able to keep the guys all together to try and develop some relationships. Look, I'm telling you, a lot of we spent a lot of nights just up in there, you know, playing cards and 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 shooting the bull and watching TV and 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 you know. Knocking on people's doors, and and we would put shaving cream in in, in an album cover and slide it in a door and step on it. And, you know, just silly stuff that you do when you're in dorms, and, and and you know these guys don't go through that the way we did, and 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 living together for four and five years, you know, and so uh, it, it's different now. And, and <laughs> you look at what the transfer portal is doing to stuff, and and you know people. That's all part of people promoting their brand, as they say, and then and, and nil. It's it's all about social media, and um, you know, so that all that stuff is just that's 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 what we've signed up not 
maybe Gerald and Scott, but that's what that's what our, our, our sport is signed up for, and and that's part of coaching now. And, and look, they're they're compensated very handsomely, especially compared to what we were back then. But but they're comp, comp, uh, compensated handsomely, and now that's part of what they have to do to earn their check is is to you know control their players and and try and take help them with handling all that. And and you know that's. It's a chore, though. It is a chore, especially, you know, those guys, Scott, you think about what we were when, when we were 18, 19, 20 years old. Uh, you care what people think, you know, and, and, and it's, but a lot of times we didn't know because they, they wanted to say it to your face. Most people don't, but that's the thing about social media is it, it gives people a voice that wouldn't say, they say what they say, but they, whatever they feel, regardless of whether they would say it to your face or not, 90% of them wouldn't. And you don't want it to be that distraction, but all of that's to get to our next point, the sense of urgency. Where is it right now with the Cajuns? Where should it be? We'll talk to Gerald Broussard about that and the QBs when we come back for one more segment with Gerald on a Wednesday. I'm Scott Prather. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We're right back right after this. Athletically, in the seventh grade. Do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Jay Walker typically joins me on Tuesdays. Joining me today, I was out yesterday. I was a judge in the Paint the Town Red contest. Uh, it was great. Had a great time. And um, But because I was not on yesterday, Jay will be joining me in studio. We're doing a little Wonderland Wednesday. So he and I will each play a one-hit wonder that we think is a great song. Gerald, so... What's a, what's a one-hit wonder? I mean, maybe you don't know off the top of your head. I am putting you on the spot. I apologize. What's like a one-hit wonder that you, you really dig? I have no clue. It's <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 my bad. It's yeah. my bad. My bad. Gerald, <laughs> Gerald Broussard, I guess. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for Jay Walker, of course. We'll talk college football. We'll, uh, we'll talk about the Cajuns. We'll talk uh, a little bit about LSU and other things. But uh, we got Gerald for one more segment, and she... You know, the last two weeks for Cajuns, uh, for, for, for Cajun fans, is concerning. For the coaching staff, it's concerning. They're trying to fix it. The offense, many say, lacks an identity. Um, I, I, I want your thoughts on, I guess, where, where should the sense of urgency be? They're 2-2, two and two, but obviously, you know, they should have won Saturday, but they had some, you know, just self-inflicted wounds at the worst possible time, and they didn't. And there are things to be concerned about, win or lose. But when you're losing and you haven't lost much lately and you lose two in a row, that level of concern is, I think, magnified in a lot of ways. 
what what should the sense of urgency be right now for this team? And in you know what part of the offense, I guess, is is most concerning to you after you know a month of the season? Um, it's hard to to, to specify a, a part simply, Scott, because it's it's the offense as a whole. To be honest, I, I think that you know the. the they haven't been able to run the football the way they're accustomed to running the football, which is going to put more stress on your your throwing game there with some quarterbacks who, I mean, played better this past weekend. Um, I think the thing that's it's most concerning to me, not not concerning, I, I, I know that, that, that things can be fixed because, again, like we talked about the Saints, I think there's a talent level there that's going to be that if you just play to your abilities, I think you'll be okay. The disappointing thing was the last two weeks. I don't think that the better team talent-wise won the game. And, and you know, we, we've talked about it for a long time. More games are lost than won. Uh, this past weekend, the Cajuns lost. Now, ULM gets the victory, but the Cajuns lost the game. And, um, you know, against Rice, I, I think Rice did beat the Cajuns. Uh, I don't think the Cajuns lost that one. I think that there were some opportunities there. But, um, you know, the, I, I know that the, the Cajuns want to run the football. This is this has been a, a, a team that's uh, kind of built itself and, and, and done some things and had an identity in the conference of being one of the more physical teams. They were able to run the football and stop the run in the past, and which is, is why – you know, they were able to win the conference. And, and, and I think that right now you're seeing this team trying to search to be able to run the football. They're using a lot of zone schemes. Uh, I heard your interview with Coach Desmo talk about identifying people and, and what they see at the snap of the football is not what they were. What they're going to get to as the play develops. And, you know, there is a lot of movement in this league. They're going to get some movement this week. Uh, South Alabama is, is, is a team that will start. Uh, and, and you can watch it during the game. It's very easy to see. The, the number of people at the line of scrimmage, when the Cajuns say hike, is nowhere near the number of people at the line of scrimmage about one second later. They're going to start, <clears throat> excuse me, with, with uh, people at what's called second level, at linebacker level. But they're, they're pulling the trigger quick. They're coming downhill, not necessarily to blitz. They're doing it to stop the run. And they're going to move the front so if the guy is lined up on, on the right shoulder of the right guard when the, when the ball is snapped, he's probably going to move to a different position. He's going to have a different gap responsibility. And uh, that part of it, <laughs> I get to talking, it gets a scratchy throat. I apologize. But th- that part of it takes time to develop. And uh, it just comes from guys working together, working, which I think is why you saw a minimal amount of guys play against ULM. It's something that's going to have to develop. Again, Coach Des talked about the backs hitting the hole, and that's true. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. I hope this doesn't continue. No, it's all good, man. Take your, take your time there. I mean, yeah. I, I but, think. Uh, no, those guys are going to have to be able to, to, to fit with the offensive line, and, and that takes time. When you play a number of people, as the Cajun do, you know, then, then it's, it's, Guys have just got to be able to mesh in jail. And I think that that can happen. Uh, one of the things that I thought was really good this week was the ability of the quarterbacks to move the football and move the football from the pocket. They didn't have to get get the ball outside the pocket and, and you know, fake and run one way and then break and contain and trying to get outside to throw the football. They were able to get to move the football, uh, throwing the ball from inside the pocket, which was good to see. Um, 
you know, truth be known, the receivers can play better. And so if, if everybody just – and I don't think anybody's got to play beyond what their capabilities are. If they just play up to their capabilities, then I think the Cajuns are going to be fine. And um, yeah, I think the tight ends have played well to this point. And if you can't see Johnny, then we all got problems because Big Johnny has been open and, and catching the football. Neil's been playing well. Uh, Pierce Neagle's been there. So, I, you know, I, I think that as the season keeps going and these guys start getting a little more time together and stuff like that, I, I do anticipate it coming. But it, it is it, – it, I just think it all fits together. Just like the line being able to mesh together, I think that – I don't see this group as, as a, you know, and they're just not. <clears throat> Physically, they're just not massive, and they're just not going to be able to just knock people off the football. Uh, so they're going to have to get their fits right. They're going to have to work two guys blocking on a down guy and then knowing when to come off to the linebacker. What, what happens with uh, South Alabama is some people will play their linebacker in their slow flow and then attack. South Alabama just goes. They, when they see it, they pull the trigger, and 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 they, you know they, they they take the chip off. And so what they're doing is, they're not allowing you to double team long, because the linebackers are coming downhill, and so uh, it's going to be a chore, but it, it's doable. And we've seen the Cajuns do it before, but uh, you know that that part of it is going to be a work in progress. And then you know you you got South Al, and and then you've got a few days to work a little longer to get ready to go to Marshall. But these uh, this is a good South Al football team now. Um, you know we 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 talk about the Cajuns and losing a bunch of people to to the transfer portal and really not replace them with a whole lot of transfers. South Al hit the portal now. I mean, they got a bunch, and uh, they've got some depth. They got some speed, and uh, yeah, I mean, they're making plays. Heck, they they returned a kickoff and a punt for a touchdown against Louisiana Tech. Now, one got called back because of a penalty, but but uh, you know, they they they've got some speed, and and they're playing with some confidence. And got a transfer quarterback, and you know, that South Al's always had good receivers, and uh, but they 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 got a couple good looking running backs, and they they. They've got a number of transfers up front that is, I think has made a difference for them. Gerald Broussard, our guest, ESPN Lafayette. Yeah, I mean, they're a one-point loss to UCLA uh, away from being undefeated coming into this. It's a good team. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm glad you, you brought up the O-line and sort of the offense as a whole. It feels like once one of the puzzle pieces finally fits, than the others can. But I do, I believe that that first puzzle piece that needs to fit is the old line. Because, you know, I, you play two quarterbacks, it's going to be scrutinized, whether it's working, whether it's not, whatever. It's going to be scrutinized. It is. Uh, I'm not defending it. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. My thing is, I don't think that, like, that's the sort of the definitive number one issue. Right, that 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 others feel that way. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You know, I know that that in in, in Coach Napier's first year, they had Andre Nunez, and he was the starter. And then they played Levi every what third or fourth series, um, and, and they did it all season. And it was scrutinized by some, uh, but not in the same way. And the reason is because that offense had an identity, and it was running the football first. Right, it was it was ground and pound, the kind of football that you love to watch, Gerald, to get you going. Right, lather them up, 
former old lineman yourself. And this offense right now doesn't have that identity. And I think when you're when you're struggling to run the football, and you're in, 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 and his coach told me on Monday, right, it's not just the old line; it's everybody, it's a whole unit, it's the receivers, tight ends, everybody can do better. But when that's not the identity, then there's a bigger microscope on the quarterbacks. And then when you're playing two of them, and as you said, look, they didn't play good at Rice. They played better this past week. You just, you know, you had critical mistakes at the worst times and your special teams, which has been pretty good the last few years, was, you know, was was bad in terms of the, the crucial mistakes they made on Saturday night. But um, I'll just ask you briefly, and then, you know, we'll let you run. Uh, we'll get your thoughts on South, you know, the, the, the keys on Saturday, and we'll let you run after that. But before the keys, G, what's your take right now on Chandler Fields, Ben Waldrich, and the, you know, as Coach told me, look, I didn't anticipate having a, you know, two-quarterback system. I said I wouldn't, and, you know, here we are, and it's not, you know, we still have a starter and a number two guy we evaluated every week. I mean, you've heard everything he said, but what, what's your honest take on it right now after a month of the season? I, I feel better today. I really do. I think that they, you know, I I didn't see what I wanted to see in the first three games, to be honest. Uh, I saw some things this past week, and I know that, that, that the quarterbacks were challenged to be aggressive and, and not just throw, but be aggressive running the football. We saw that now, both of them. I mean, they pulled it down and they were aggressive, but Ben thought he was, he was a fullback at times trying to run over folk. But, uh, and I thought Chandler threw the football well. Uh, I thought they made some plays. There were they, I, I think that the thing that happened, and, and, and Jay mentioned it during the broadcast, or maybe not on, actually on air. We might have just been talking around halftime. They said, you know, 17-10 at half, and it really could have been. I don't want to say should have been, but it could have been, uh, you know, 10 more points for the Cajuns. And if you're sitting up there 20, I mean, 17, seven and a half. And if you're sitting up there as 27, seven, you know, this is a totally different game, but that you, that doesn't happen. I mean, you can't once it's there. And they just, I think that the quarterbacks had put the Cajuns in a position to be able to do that to that point. The help needs to come from the, from the other sides, continue to progress. And then, and, and, uh, you know, I, I know that the, the quarterback situation is, you know, Coach Dez said he didn't anticipate. He didn't want it either. I mean, he he does not want this to be this way. But you know, it it, it is the way it is right now, and and he's going to live with it until either one of them just just totally separates for one reason or the other, for good or bad. Then then you know, I think we're going to have to deal with it. And the other guys, though, I I look quarterbacks aren't the problem. You know, I think there's some other guys that can that can help you with that. And I say that, you know, after this past week, it wasn't the quarterback. So, um, you know, what, what we need and, you know, it, I, I do agree right now because of the answers that we got Saturday. I said, OK, I feel better about that. Let's see how we do this this week up front. And and uh, and look, you leading into the keys, Scott, it's going to be up front now. Because you're going to have to handle not just the movement, but the aggressive play of the second-level guys. Because these guys are pulling the triggers, trying to get tackles for a loss. If you're playing every every series behind the chains, then then it's going to be tough on the Cajuns. And uh, and and you know, I, I heard Coach talk about it. And South has always been the kind of team that's going to challenge you on the outside. 
In the past, the Cajuns have been able to throw the football up and just let a receiver go get it. And South, you know, a lot of times didn't win those. Well, that means that the, the Cajun receivers are going to have to step up to that challenge too this week. But, it, you know, it's going to start with the, with those guys up front handling that not just movement from the down guys, but the, the second-level penetration that, that's going to happen. And, and when I say that, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to draw a picture. You know, if, if you envision you know, the, the, the linebackers there at three or four yards off the line of scrimmage, they read and try and run through right now, see it and go. And, uh, and, and they, they, South is trying to get tackles for a loss. They'll read up front and move and slant the down guys. But they are pulling the trigger at second level, and so uh, that it's going to be a chore. Joe Broussard has been our guest uh, at Gbrew Two on Twitter, color analyst for the Rage of Cajun football team. Homecoming Saturday. You talk about answers. You want some good ones on Saturday. I, I was saying this about the Saints as well. I think you've seen flashes, really more flashes from UL to this point. You know, some good quarters. Uh, good halves for the Saints. You've seen, you know, offensively a couple of flashes, but mainly all bad. Um, and I think a, a good, solid performance, you know, four good quarters. And I think everyone just feels better. I, I, if, if you can get that Saturday against a good South Alabama team, you know, that, that could be the juice you're looking for. I mean, this is a big game. This is a big moment. And then, as you said, after that, you wait, you go on a Wednesday night at Marshall. Just, it's, this is a big one. You're going to have your best crowd of the season. The weather's great. Um, you know, let's see Let's see what the Cajuns have in store this Saturday against the Jaguars. G-Man, I appreciate it. Uh, I know how busy you are as always, my friend. I know you're on the road for work, but uh, I always enjoy our conversations. Love talking ball with you, and I uh, look forward to hearing you on the radio Saturday and talking to you again next week, my friend. You bet, pal. Be safe. All right. Big thanks to Gerald for coming on. We're going to take a timeout. The 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show coming up. Jay Walker going to join me around 8.15 in studio. We'll open up phone lines then. Up next, your body is your temple. Especially if you're a budding superstar in the NBA. All you got to do is just look at a few of your peers, and it'll all make sense about where you should put your money. Don't take my word for it. Take it from a professional athlete himself. That'll all make sense in our next segment. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Best ticket in sports. Don't go anywhere. ESPN. ESPN. Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott. Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Jay Walker coming up around 8.15 in studio. We'll open up phone lines then. We got a little Wonderland Wednesday as well. Respect your body. Your body is your temple. You know, athletes' bodies, some feel like, are fair game for criticism. I, I think that's true to an extent. I mean, there's a difference between analysis and just like 
abuse or just mean spirit, you know, for, for Zion Williamson, there's been plenty of jokes about his weight. The young Pelican star who, you know, was great in the two seasons ago when he played was an all-star that missed all the last season because he hadn't really taken care of his body. And then there were setbacks and now he is looking fit as a fiddle, felt fantastic. And you know what? He invested in his body. Got the right kind of training. Hired a personal chef. But investing in your body when you're a professional athlete, particularly one like Zion Williamson, will pay you back in the end. It is a worthy investment. LeBron James is still playing at his age. And at his level, at his age, which frankly doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, everyone, you know, just is blown away. Oh, Tom Brady, I can't believe he's 45. I get that, that, that James will turn 38 this season, and that's different than 45. But how many 38-year-olds do you remember playing at that kind of level? Heck, 37 years old, just how he played last year. You know? I mean, Michael Jordan? was 38 when he came back to the NBA with the Wizards. He was 38. And then he felt like he was ancient. How is he going to do that? And he had taken some time off. And that's the GOAT. That's MJ. What does LeBron do? He invests. Larry Nash Jr. of the Pelicans, son of former NBA All-Star Larry Nance, was asked at media day about Zion Williamson and taking care of his body and you know, Larry's always a great listen and, and had a number of things to say that's worth listening to. Everybody's different. Everybody's body's different. I can't do what he can do. I can't. I can't. I can't treat grown men like they're toddlers. I'm not built like that. I can't fresh off an injury, throw the ball off the glass, put it between my legs and dunk it and post it on social. I don't have that. I don't have the ability, you know. With that comes great response. Like, it sounds corny, but, oh, with great power comes great responsibility. It does. Like, this dude, there are not many one-of-ones in the NBA. He's a one-of-one and has potential to be a one-of-one. With that comes treating the Lamborghini of a body you've been given like a Lamborghini. You You don't put the cheapest gas in a Lambo, you know? You go to the pump and you, you know, the 93, the 95, whatever that is, you, you, you know, you put that in there because you don't want to be on the highway driving and hear your engine. <coughs> no, you don't want to, you don't want that, right? So, um, you know, it's, not, it's a funny analogy, but it's true. You know, this dude is, is, you know, he's, LeBron spends, you know, LeBron spends what, a million a year on his body. He's a one of one. I bet you Giannis is close. There are a few one of ones and he's one. And that's what we keep, you know, that's what that's my message to him is like, hey, look, you you know, look at the guys that you peep guys are kind of comparing you to, that you have the ability to be like. They're you know, the seriousness at which they take them their off season work and even their downtime and preparation. Um, LeBron has travels with a hyperbaric chamber. That's crazy. <laughs> but you see what it's gotten him to, right? The dude is, you know, in uh, year 
year 38 and still, you know, him. So, you know, and that's, that's just my overall message to Z. It's like, Hey, look, you know, you don't put, you don't put cheap gas in a Lambo. You're a Lambo, you know, spend that time, spend that energy, you know, on, on keeping yourself on the court because this team, this team did some fun things without you. Come on. We just added Giannis to the Bucks. Like, you know, I'm I'm excited. So I know he's I know you guys saw him. He looks great. Um his mentality's great. You know, now I, I've just I gotta put on some I gotta put on some padding to deal with this beating I'm gonna take in training camp. Yeah. Oh no, I'm gonna have this the elbow pads, the knee pads, those slide pads, like yeah, I might come to practice in a full you know those like you know the things that like Oh no, that's not enough. You know those things that like you, you see like a video, like a like a trained dog attacking those people. That, that's what I'm gonna wear to practice. Yeah, so you know he, he uh, no one wants to see him more you know succeed more than I do. So he's uh, he's got an ally in me, and I'll stay in his ear. And um, there are, there are a lot of people in this team and organization that care for him and want to see him be Zion Williamson. Wise words from Larry Nance Jr. A guy that played with LeBron, a guy that played with Kobe, a guy that if he wants a future in broadcasting, I don't care if it's in a studio, I don't care if it's as an analyst, I don't care if it's play by whatever, he could do it, man. I could listen to Larry talk ball, but you know, coming in with the analogies and and talking, and it's important because if Zion doesn't take care of his body, he's going to get hurt, and if he gets hurt, the team can only go so far. And his career gets looked at different. And he gets looked at different. As he said, as Larry said, every player's body is different. I can't do the things that he can do. Things that he can do. Giannis, certain individuals, a very, you know, one of ones, as he put it, one of ones is kind of, you know, an oxymoron. But, you know, if you're considered to be a one of one or have that kind of potential. And Zion does feel like a unicorn in a lot of ways based on his build and how quickly he moves and all of that. But you take care of your body. And the possibilities for him, for the team, everything. As he said, if you have a Lamborghini, don't put cheap gas in it. Put the kind of things in the engine into that car like it's a Lamborghini, not a Pinto. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. My next guest, he's put plenty of food in his body, bourbon as well. The great Jay Walker, my friend, play-by-play man for Louisiana's Raging Cajuns. He's going to be joining me next. Look forward to talking to him. We'll do a Wonderland Wednesday, the one-hit wonders. I have a, you know, we'll each pull one out that we think is a a great one-hit wonder. From the past. I think we're both going to the same decade as well today. Talk UL, college football, little LSU. It's all coming your way. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN.
ESPN Lafayette. E to the S to the P to the N. The best ticket in sports. Scott Show. Jay Walker will uh, be here in just a few minutes. In the meantime, phone lines are open for you. 337-269-1077. Thomas Morstead, friend of the program. Punter for the Miami Dolphins. The man responsible for the butt punt. You know, when life gives you lemons. Of course, the butt punt where, uh, you know, Gerald and I were talking about it, where he just kicked the ball directly into the rear end of, of Trent Sherfield, um, is the most viral play of this season so far, of this NFL season. I mean, shout out to Trent. He must work out a lot. I mean, he's in the NFL. I imagine he does. Because I, if if you were bent over and a world-class premier punter punted the ball directly onto your butt, into your butt, I mean, we're talking about pain, man. Pain. Adrian Peterson would be like, I'm going to get the switch. It's going to be Thomas Morstead. He's going to put the ball on you. Like, that's that's the kind of pain I'm talking about. I mean, it's, it hurt. But Trent just kind of took it. And ball went out the back of the end zone. And it it was, it really was a, a huge mistake at the time. I mean, Miami's clinging to a four-point lead before that play. Against the Bills, who they're just holding off, holding off, holding off. It's a great game. And now it's a two-point game, and they're giving the ball back to Buffalo. And, you know, (laughs) Morstead shared on social media that he has tracked down the punt ball, the butt punt ball. And uh, they had a little therapy session. And they're all friends again. Him and Trent are sitting there holding the ball together. Trent does not appear to be favoring his uh, his buttocks, which I'm sure was extremely sore after taking the butt punt. You know, Miami, by the way, is ten and one since Robert Hunt had the greatest play that didn't count last year. You know, I, I walk in, you're talking about somebody's butt hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The butt punt. Yeah. <laughs> Never. I don't think we'll ever see that again. A player just punting the ball directly into the butt of a teammate. Yeah. That's Jay Walker, everybody. I walk in here. You're talking about butts hurting. Yeah. And it was, it was, whenever you have a, a week where in a prime time game, a notable quarterback runs out the back of the end zone for a safety or steps out. And it's not 
the craziest safety of the weekend. That that tells you something. <laughs> Boy, amen to that. That tells you something. How you doing, man? I'm good. Wonderland good. Wednesday. Yes, indeed. Got some one-hit wonders we'll play for you a little bit later. Um, you know, our our comrade there in the glass. Some would call him a comrade. You can call him whatever you want. Say Mr. Moon. He's a ULM grad. He is. He said, hey, is Jay coming in today? I got to talk to him. What did he say? Well, I didn't give him a chance to say anything because I was running late, so I just walked right in. I waved at him and came in. There you go. How you feeling um, about the Cajuns heading into this 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 homecoming game against the good South Alabama team? Okay, first of all, it's a very good South Alabama team. They're not just a good South Alabama team. I think they're as good as anybody in that juggernaut Eastern Division that everybody keeps talking about. I think they're that good. Um, I... You know, look, it was awfully disappointing Saturday. And, you know, sooner or later, okay, sooner or later, ULM was going to win a game in Monroe against the Cajuns. Hadn't happened in 18 years. And so, you know, it is what it is. The the thing that... That I that I got walking away from it was something that I was afraid of after watching the first the first three games. This team's got serious deficiencies up front, and and I don't know that it's going to get much better. I think that is a, that's a something that's going to have to be addressed in recruiting. They just lost too many linemen. You know, they lost seven guys between the portal and the starting uh, and the starting lineup. And so they're just going to have to get better there. The thing that's been such a, a a stalwart part of the Cajuns, really, Scott, if you look at it for about the last 17 years or so, is they've had a power running game. Mm-hmm. And it started with Tyrell Fenroy, and then it went from there. And, um, you know, you knew that on third and two, third and one, they were going to give the ball to, to the, the most physical running back, and they were going to get a first down. They had 17 running plays that went for two yards or less. And that is, um, that's the most telling step. People tell, oh, they gave up a couple of big plays. Yes. Oh, they had breakdowns in the kicking game. Yes. Major breakdowns. But the biggest stat is they can't run the football, and well, they weren't able to run it against Rice either. I, I think... To your point, that's the big story of not a single game, but of of where this team is. Yep. And and you're right. Listen, before the season started, I kept saying, what's your number one concern? What's the biggest question mark? Yeah. I said, it's the and, O-line. And, and you know what? Everybody said it was the O-line. And then they said, but blah, 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 well, blah. Well, sure. I mean, I, I get it. And it's not to say that there aren't other things that need to be worked on. But when you're looking for an identity as an offense... Because I understand, and I'm going to have to ask Coach about it every week, and folks are going to talk about it every week. I get it. When you play two quarterbacks, it is going to take a significant focus. There were some people when they played Nunez and and, and Levi every third series that were that didn't like it and voiced it. But you know what? They were. It 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 wasn't to the degree of this, and the reason was because the offense had an identity, and they were running the ball, and they were running it well. That 
is to me the number one story, not, oh, well, you know, you put a guy in. I mean, the quarterbacks, they didn't play great against Rice. They played better last week. You had issues in the kicking game. You had you, have, you had self-inflicted wounds at, at, at critical moments. You lost the game, but up front, it's an issue. And and you've covered the Cajuns a lot longer than me, but I've I said it going into this season. Ever since I have been here covering the team since 2005, they have always had one of the best offensive lines in the Sun Belt every single year. The good teams, the not-so-good teams, whatever, it was always a strength. And this is the first year. It's a question mark going into the season. And, you know, you, you have to coach around it. You have to do what you have to do. But, well, this, this offense lacks an identity. I think their identity for, for many, many years has been we got a powerful line and we're going to able to run the football. And then the other things will kind of follow. Um, quarterbacks and playing two of them, that's going to get the number one focus from a lot of fans. And, but and to you me, know the number one concern is if, if, the, if, the, if the focus on fans is how many quarterbacks you're, you're playing, you're missing the entire point, okay? What happens now with the, the, the issues you have in the offensive line, that means that you're putting that much more on your quarterbacks. And you've got two first-year starters, first-time starters. And now you're saying, go win the game for us. Because you have to, because that's because that's what you got. The two-quarterback thing, everybody's talking about it. And 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 I I just I just want to yell, shut up. Because that's not the issue with this football team. You know, there's a reason why Mike's playing both of them. And guess what? He is a lot smarter about this than any of us. And so I, I don't want to hear about the two quarterbacks. Yes, it's it's going to be what everybody's talking about. And I and I may throw up if I hear another person say, well, if you play two quarterbacks, doesn't mean you have any quarterbacks, which is an old, tired, stupid cliche. That isn't the problem with this football team. If one guy becomes Levi Lewis, well, then guess what? He's going to be the starter. And he's going to start, and the other guy's going to play if, if, if the new Levi Lewis gets hurt. Otherwise, you're putting so much on the quarterbacks because you're having trouble running the football that you got to go ahead and go with your gut as to who you think is going to be the best guy on that particular series with the plays that you're going to be calling. And you know, if you're like a, you know, if you're if you're talking about the quarterbacks as being the issue, you are missing the point of this football team. Totally. I understand why it's talked about. Sure, I do too. I have said before the season, during the season, and, you know, again today that you got to look at the O-line. And um, you said you don't think it could, you know, why do you feel like it can't improve? I I, I don't know that it, I'm I'm not going to say it can't improve. Sure, it can improve. But is this line going to be what we've been used to at all for the past 10 years or so? Not this season. No, not this season. Not this season. It needs to be addressed in recruiting. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, you know, those guys are going to continue to work hard. You've got a lot of guys out there that don't have very much experience coming in. They're getting, they're getting their trial by fire now. And, and, you know, provided they stay healthy, yeah, I think they're going to get better. But they're not going to be what we're used to. I don't care how much better they get because I think they got limitations. Aside from a win, what what do you want to see Saturday at homecoming from UL? Um, I, I want to see them go out and do a lot of the little things right. Look, I, I'm going to say this, and, and, and I've said it to a couple of people. I expect the Cajuns to play their best game of the year on Saturday. And I go back to last year, and I realize last year's team's different. But, you know, you, play, you go to Mobile, and it's a game you should have lost. And Diego Guajardo misses a field goal with 20 seconds left that would have won. The game. And it was at like 36 yards. Not a, not a, not a long distance. No, no, right? no. Chip shot for, for this guy. I mean, for when he's one of the better kickers in the league. And, man, I remember the fans just moaning and bitching and crying and, oh, my God, you know, this is good. And I'm tired of finishing second. And I, I just said, oh, my, you know, we're just uh, And then they beat App State by four touchdowns the next week. Mm-hmm. I expect this team to play their best game of the season. I don't know if it's going to be good enough because I think South Alabama is really good. And I've been saying for a few years now, the only thing standing between South Alabama and maybe a championship is quarterback play, and they got one now. ESPN Live, he had the best ticket in sports. Phone lines are open, 337-269-1077. Let's take one right now. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Good morning, Scott. Jay. Jay, you ever read a book called The Hot Hand? No. Okay. The Hot Hand was run somebody who basically did a research in basics for basketball. Where involved, okay, statistically, there is no such thing as a hot hand. And they did a deeper dive in it, you know, where a, hit, a player hits four or five shots in a row and they keep going to them. Literally, and they found out there is such a thing as a hot hand. The reason that they think they don't is because the defenses adjust, you know, take that guy's shot away. But as long as they keep him shooting, and I've played in a basketball my life to know there is such a thing as a hot hand. Now, where am I going with this? Well, I think Chandler had the hot hand in the first two series. And I wonder at times, Maybe you should flip him the script, and if a guy's got a hot hand, go with him, whether it be Chandler or Ben. It doesn't really matter. So that that was my only question about the uh, taking the quarterbacks on Saturday was stay with the hot hand. And I agree with you. The offensive line is the main issue on the team. It will be all season. Physically, there's not good enough. They can't improve, which means the rest of the team has to make up for it. Maybe the offensive play callers have to call. They're never going to say this publicly. But call the game knowing that maybe that's a weakness. And the kicking game can't have the breakdowns we had on Saturday. So uh, just want to make those comments. Uh, I'll hang up and let y'all respond. Thank you. If your kicking game is better or or average, you win on Saturday. No, no, that's very true. Um, I've heard a few people say that you know what after you after you had two really good drives to to open the thing that you know maybe maybe you should. You know, it's a, it's a second guess, but I understand it. Um, the the. I do expect the coaches to adjust some of the philosophy because, look, how many times did they fail on third and two or less? And the answer is a bunch. And so I think that they're going to understand that we can't totally abandon the running game. 
but we got to mix things up on third and short. We're going to need to throw the football. We got a six foot six inch tight end. We can get them like three yards over the line of scrimmage and throw them the football. Um, so I, I do expect you're going to see them throw the football more. Um, and I think it's especially going to be true this week because South Alabama might have the best run defense in the league. They're, they're, they're only allowing about 80 yards a game. And they've played decent competition. They should be 4-0 because they should have beaten UCLA. Lost by a point. And, uh, yeah, and Kane Womack, who's a young coach, okay, I, I, I want to say he's still the youngest coach in the FBS. Um, you know, he kind of outcoached himself. You know, he lines up for a field goal. That would have given him a five-point lead, and what does he do? He runs a fake. It doesn't work. And then, you know, UCLA comes down and, and wins the football 35 game. 35 years old. Yeah. And, and, and I'm telling you, I, I was sitting with Mike at, at Media Days, okay? And he's talking to, to, to this guy, and, and, and you know, because Mike had motioned for me to come over, and, and we're sitting there, and he gets up, he says, hi, I'm Kane Womack. And I wanted to say, dude, do you shave? I mean, I, I mean, he's he looks even younger than he is when you see him up close. Um, very nice guy, and um, and a good football coach. And and it's unusual in the Sun Belt Conference to have a head coach who um, who made his bones on the defensive side of the football. You know, most of the coaches in our league are offensive minded guys. Mm-hmm. He's a defensive minded guy. Um, he was a defensive coordinator under Joey Jones, you know, when he was still in his twenties, went to Indiana and was uh, over there and then got the job when, when, uh, they let Steve Campbell go, but, um, they're good, man. They, they got a good football team and the Cajuns are going to have their hands full. And even if the Cajuns go out and play their best game, that might not be good enough, but, um, but I do expect them to play their best game of the year. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Scott Prather, Jay Walker. It's the Great Scott Show. Let's head back to the phone lines for one more before the break. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hey, guys. How are you doing this morning? We're wonderful. Great. I'd like to make comments about offensive line and quarterback position, if you don't mind. Sure. First offensive line, um, Jay, you mentioned uh, you know it's going to be have to be fixed in recruiting, and obviously these are all players that we recruited. I think, obviously, we've got a walk-on at center, probably undersized, little deficiencies. I was looking at South Al yesterday and looking at the rest of our offensive line. Physically, big size, we're just as good as them up front as far as physically capable at that position. But I'm watching them, and they just like they do everything as one. They, they come off the ball together. And we're just not there as far as the way we play it in sync compared to them. So I don't know if it's a physical thing at the, on the offensive line right now. Of just the way that we're playing right now. I uh, know. I I'll tell I you, and, and I'll go ahead and answer that question for you. I do think that is a, a a physical thing because let's remember, you lost seven of your top ten guys, and but so you, are you saying are you saying we failed to recruit good offensive linemen? No, what I'm saying is, well, you, you know, you go ahead and you find a college football team that loses seven of their top ten linemen. And just reloads because it's who they are. The best teams in America, if you lose your top seven, then you're going to take a step backward. I don't give a damn what you have across your chest. 
Now, I mean, Rubio played, Gilly played, Harrington was competing for a starting job. Okay, All right. no, 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 I, no. I, okay, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Okay, Harrington had very little experience, and he's been hurt for the last two years. You do have a walk on at center that had ended his career, and they had to ask him to come back because they really didn't have anybody else after they had all of that attrition. You know, Gilly started last year. Rubio is coming off a, a bad injury. This is, I, I, I don't want to hear about these guys who have, quote, promise. Because you know what they don't have? Experience. And you're starting two guys. Okay, so how do, you, how, how do you fix that next year if you didn't fix that through recruiting the last four years? Well, I, I, think that there, I think there's a couple of things you can do. Number one, you make offensive linemen a big deal in recruiting. And secondly, I think that this coaching staff has got to go ahead and understand that sometimes even though you don't want to do it necessarily because of your um because of your your possible chemistry issues I think these guys are going to have to go into the portal and bring some guys in okay because, I mean, it looks like they've always had the, like the number one recruiting class in the Sun Belt offensive line was in there. So I just wanted they felt to develop these guys over the years why we're not there. Because they, they look good on paper, you know, as far as their size, their ability. <laughs> Dude, I anyway, look good on, I look good on paper, okay? No, Jay, don't, don't kid yourself. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, as far, as far as the quarterback position goes, number one, Scott, I keep hearing you saying about people uh, – well, two things – you keep hearing you saying about people whenever it was Andre and and uh, Levi. People they, they didn't they, they looked at it differently. Number one, with Andre and Levi, you had a senior and a sophomore that was the future backing him up. Right now, you have a sophomore that supposedly won the job and a junior backing him up. So you're not really preparing for your future with your backup. Okay. So I think that was that's a big difference, right there. No, no, look, look, I've, 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 listen, listen, listen. First of all, I've made that point, okay, that you just made. But secondly, secondly, if, secondly, if the offense did not have an identity and was not running the ball well, I maybe, maybe the 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 um, out some of the outspoken critics would say. Maybe it would be different. Maybe it would be like, well, you just have to play the guy that's the future. I don't know why you're wasting it with this. Whatever it would be. But my, my point was, if it, didn't have an, if it didn't have an identity and was struggling to run the ball the way this team was, the microscope and the discussion would have been a lot heavier about the two quarterbacks. And if this team, conversely, if this team was able to run the football like they did that year in 20 what was it, 18, and they had an offensive line like that one, I don't think there would be nearly as much chatter about the two quarterbacks. Right. Okay, just one last quick point. Jay, you mentioned earlier that Mike Desimone, nothing against, I love Mike. I love Mike. We're from the same hometown. You said he knows more than the fans about this. Hey, not only does he know more about the fans, but he also knows about more than 99% of the head coaches because every, every coach has two quarterbacks that are capable, but, you know, most coaches say we're going to play a guy. We're going to play a guy, and then we're going to play a guy. 99% of the head coaches in America will tell you we need to play a guy. So not only does he know more about the fans, he knows more about 99% of the head coaches in America as far as how he's handling this situation. Anyway, that's all I got. You guys have a great day. I still say that that's not the issue on this football team. I, I, I still say that that, that that take, while it may have some merit, okay, and I'm not saying this guy's stupid because I know this guy, and he's not stupid. Um, 
You can play one quarterback. Not going to solve your problems. And, and, and both of these quarterbacks have, um, look, all I know is this. We had a guy for three years that won like 35 games. And people complained about him the whole time he was there. And we have guys to this day, to this day, that last year ripped the quarterback after every game who still won't admit they were wrong. So I, 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 I kind of tune out when people talk about quarterback play nowadays. I kind of tune it out a little bit. And that's because of what I've been hearing the last three years. Not from this guy. Yeah. I, I for for me personally, I don't have issues with anyone that wants to, and I'm speaking for me that wants to question or talk about the two quarterbacks. Oh, no, they no, they absolutely and, can question and, it and wants to be critical of things. My point is, and it's similar to yours, is that's not the number one issue. That's no. that's getting the most attention, right? But it's not the issue. And yes, I do bring up the last time the Cajuns did it, and I have brought up that it was different because Levi was young and Nunez was in his last year. My point is. That team had an identity, and it wasn't really, and it wasn't the quarterback. Correct, correct. You know, this offense does it, and when an offense doesn't have an identity, the the two, or in this case, three that get pointed out the most are going to be the coach slash play caller and the and and the QBs. Mm-hmm. If they were running the ball and they had that old line like they've had, there would be complaining about why are they using two quick. It would be there, but it would not be nearly as loud. That's my that's my only point about it. And and that's my only point. And I'm not going to argue with that. ESP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Cajuns um, plus nine this Saturday. It opened at five. LSU is minus nine against Auburn. Auburn's terrible. These are some these are some big numbers, though, for some conference games. Mm-hmm. Big numbers. I think, I, um, I think Arkansas State's minus ten. I... I I I talked to someone, they're like, it's exactly what I thought it'd be. I'm like, not me. I wouldn't have guessed minus nine and plus nine for these two games. Well, you know, like I said, the, the Cajuns line opened at five. I know. And it didn't take it long to get to seven and a half and now to nine. And and I think the LSU line's about right. Auburn's not good. I mean, when they lost 41 to 12 to Penn State, I was like, sheesh. Boy, that Mizzou Auburn game last week. I, the highlights of that thing. Or the, oh wait, they had God. highlights the, in that what, game. The yes, that were or we could call them follies. That Missouri guy. Oh my God! Just you talk about an inch, mm-hmm. literally. Just don't drop the ball. You win the game. Wait, no, he fumbled it. Ball game. Auburn wins. Um, ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. not Tuesday. It's Wednesday. No, it's Wednesday. 